You're listening to the Bookkeepers Podcast, sponsored by Centre by Iris, the weekly podcast for bookkeepers. Every week, we'll be talking about what's new in the bookkeeping world. Here are your hosts and founders of the six-figure bookkeeper, Joe Wood and Zoe Whitman. Hi, and welcome to the Bookkeepers Podcast. I'm Zoe Whitman. I'm here with Joe Wood, and we are very excited to be joined by Leslie and Ingrid from Declutter Hub today. The Bookkeepers Podcast is sponsored by Centre by Iris. Thanks so much to Centre for supporting us and the bookkeeping community. And I just want to say hello to everyone who's joining us live. We can see you jumping on. We're a little bit later than we planned. And I can see people saying, are you coming? We're definitely here. So we love our podcast to always be really interactive. Please ask your questions. I know Leslie and Ingrid are absolutely so happy to take your questions while we have our chat today about well clutter and how we take control of our or be more productive I suppose and uh, get on top of that clutter maybe after January it's all a bit untidy around you um can, maybe we should start with Leslie and Ingrid do you want to start by telling us a bit about what you do yeah so we have been sorting people's clutter out for about the last 12 years so Ingrid works in London I've been up, up in Manchester and so we work one-to-one with people in homes and then about three or four years ago we were like gosh, we'd really like to do a little bit more. We'd like to do some stuff online. We started a podcast three years ago. We now run a membership for people all over the world who are struggling and overwhelmed with clutter. So we just bring our decluttering expertise to everybody. And we absolutely love it, don't we, Ingrid? We love it. We live, eat and breathe clutter. (laughs) And and we really like the feeling of taking that overwhelm away from people as we see those light bulbs going on and that clutter disappearing. So that's basically us in a nutshell. Oh, wow. Absolutely. So, I mean, when, I mean, I've watched some of these shows about hoarding and things. Do you work with people that hoard or is it more that you do things that people that are just, you know, busy lives, maybe they've got had health issues, maybe they've got family that they're looking after and it's just got on top of them. When does somebody think, you know, at what point are people looking at using you guys to help them out? I think it's mainly when people feel really overwhelmed and um, we get a lot of phone calls like when when big life changes happen, people are either going to move house or have just moved house and look at 80 boxes or 100 boxes and go, oh my word, where do I start? Or there's a baby on its way and the spare bedroom is, 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 is a dumping ground and it has to become a nursery. Of course, over the last couple of years, so many more people working from home. We need to create a home office, a desk somewhere here. How are we going to do this? Um, My parents are getting older. They need to downsize to a smaller property on the ground floor in a retirement community. This massive house needs to be sorted out. We're moving cross country to another place and we can't bring all our belongings with us. So lots of different reasons why people ring us. Lots of different levels of clutter because everybody's clutter tolerance is very different. So some people have a little bit of clutter and they go, oh, I've got so much clutter. And it's like, it's not too bad, actually. And some people have lots of clutter and go, yeah, I got a little bit of clutter that I need to sort out. And then we come in and we go, okay, it's a little bit more than we thought that was going to be. So it really depends on, on on the house and on the person. And I think what's very interesting is, Of course, if you have not sorted or tackled your clutter for a very long time, and we're talking 14 years, it's going to take much longer than if it's just been a bit chaotic because somebody's been ill or hasn't been well or broke the leg and has been recuperating for the last six months. Very different than somebody who hasn't been able to face their clutter 
for a very long time. So people always ask us, how long does it take to declutter my house? And I'm like, how long is a piece of string? Because it depends on the person themselves. Can they easily let go of their stuff or do they find it really, really hard? Oh, yeah. I really like was thinking about people who are really overwhelmed and and just can't throw anything away and feel sad inside I've just moved house just under a year ago now and uh, we obviously went we actually moved to a bigger house because we got to a point we probably had too much clutter and just moved the clutter and we just spread out into the house (laughs) I don't know whether we're nailing this so I feel like you can really help me today I mean I'm someone who has a broken computer on my desk a working computer and a spare backup computer so I feel like I'm going to take some tips from you today um Do you think that clutter and our ability to deal with it is connected in any way to our self-worth? Yeah, completely, completely. Because I think people who've been overwhelmed and even, even, you know, we're not, and uh, Joe asked a question about hoarding and whether we work with hoarders. Of course, the, the emotions are very heightened when we're talking about hoarding um, disorder and hoarding tendencies. But people who are generally just overwhelmed with clutter have often felt a lot of guilt. They feel guilty about it. So even if it's at a low level, if our houses are not on top of, um, you know, um, if we're not on top of the clutter at home, we feel guilty because our kids can't have somebody to come around for a play day or if we can't, you know we, we keep people at the door they're not coming oh you know it's not really a good time now you know that kind of thing so we feel a lot of guilt we feel a little bit ashamed or embarrassed um I think it also stifles creativity a lot so we get a lot of people that we work with who are very creative artistic crafters that kind of thing who can't do that because there's always this clutter around them there's always chores to be done and things to do so it really stifles creativity which so it's it's very sort of combine it all combines together if you know what I mean to make you know a lack of creativity and not to stop you being able to do what you want to do and so it affects your well-being it affects your sleep if your bedroom is full of clutter it causes arguments at home it sounds very depressing doesn't it I was like oh no this is a nightmare um but yeah so in answer to your question yes it really does affect your well-being and conversely from that it affects your self-worth so there's loads of things clutter is never really a good thing it's always something that's quite negative and people Mm -hmm. enjoy stuff people enjoy things but then it comes to a point where it's too much it's too overwhelming it's got too far and people get to breaking point and then that's when they want to deal with it it's fascinating i i always start my day I, I don't, I think, and I, I worry about this, if my house was ever on fire, I'd still have to make my bed. Like, it's, <laughs> my day doesn't start until my bed's made and my cushions are just so. Then what happens is I look around and I look at my dressing table and then I have to tidy that up. But like we do, out of sight, out of mind, then I think, oh, that bit can go in the drawer, that bit can go in the drawer. So for me, on the outside, everything looks it's pretty clean, you know, for three kids, a cat and a dog, and we work from home. It's pretty, but for me, and it's it's like this hidden thing, If I know if there's a drawer that needs sorting, and it plays on my mind, and I feel like it clutters my mind just as much as that drawer's cluttered. It's like, just because it's not seen, and so we've all got those, like, lift-up beds, and um, and I'm really, I say to my children, like, we are going to clear out. And they're like, but you can't see it. And I'm like, no, but you're sleeping. I feel like you're literally sleeping on clutter is such a bad thing. And I know that if I'm having, you know, I always, I said this to Zoe, she, and she laughed at me. But I always say you can measure your self-worth by your knicker drawer. <laughs> like, if you've got old knickers that are ripped, that are the elastic's hanging out. And they're not all nice and tidy and you know like yeah they're clean but it's like 
you can just look and it's just and, and mine's all like I've got some old Primark knickers and I'm like oh so I've upgraded to Marks and Sparks you know <laughs> if I if I think I feel you can really kind of feel like how am I feeling about myself right now what does my underwear drawer look like because no one else is going to see that are they only you so I feel it's kind of a good I mean tell me am I wrong or is that a good indicator <laughs> I think I think it works the other way around as well so for you and messy um, uh, drawer says I'm thinking about it but I think when we see cluttered houses we we look inside people's souls so a, 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 cl a cluttered house very much it, it equals a, a cluttered mind and a tangled mind and a chaotic mind and we see a lot of people find it difficult to make decisions find it really hard to sleep because they can't relax because they have so many pools in different directions and once people start to declutter their houses um you can really see that they're like they're they're getting more calmer they they it doesn't happen overnight this is not a quick fix this is not a quick win but over time those really small bits are, are you see their their life falling into place and sometimes people end up changing jobs moving to another house um finding the person they really want to spend the rest of their lives with because they were so busy with their own that they couldn't see what was in front of them and I think that's, I think, one of the things that we love so much about being professional organizers and by having such an amazing membership. We're changing lives and we're seeing it happen in front of our eyes. And it is, that is just wonderful. And we love it so much. And I think that's why already for over 12 years, Leslie and I have overdone a thousand projects in clients' houses. And now online, we, we are helping hundreds of people. And it's it's a privilege to do this job, but it sounds crazy, but it's like it's I mean I'll cry all the time when I'm like when people are like doing something, I'm like, oh my god, that's so amazing. I'm like, and unless she's like, Are you crying? And I'm like, Yes, it's like fantastic. <laughs> well, tell me, so I'm just thinking like we've just got to the end of the busiest month of the year for lots of bookkeepers and accountants. Tax returns hopefully are done. And and I think that when you're in that sort of busy like very focused on one task it can be quite easy to let other things go and possibly I don't think my office is too messy but I have got a five-year-old at home and then there's a box of things I have to go to the post office and I've got some sweatshirts we need to they don't really have a home and also there's like a box of toilet roll that we get on subscription that doesn't also have a home and it's just here you know like so there are things around that I just kind of walk around and it's okay but I expect that there are other people who have like an untidy desk or a drawer with Mars bar wrappers in. That isn't me. Um, you know, so how do we start with it? Like, what's the first thing we can do to start with decluttering if it's going to help us to I want to like all the people who might meet the person of their dreams now. Like you've made some big promises. Today. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I think the most important thing is there's a mistake that a lot of people make. And so we talk all different levels of clutter, whether and I've got a I've got a hunch that Zoe and Joe are quite good, quite, quite solid on the on the clutter front, and you're actually quite organized. I've just got that feeling in my bones, and you've just got a little bit of stuff here and there. But if you are like that, it might be a room. So a lot of people have just got one room or a garage or a loft or a basement or a dumping ground or an office that's not quite right or the car. It could be anything like that. You've got everything else completely nailed, but there's just one area that kind of bothers you. And so what we typically do, what a lot of people do, we go, right, I'm going to declutter my room this weekend. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Ikea. I'm going to get a load of boxes. And so we start in the wrong place, actually, with storage, because what we're, what our minds are telling us to do is to to go and find 
boxes to put our stuff into and actually what we need to do is get rid of the stuff that's no longer serving us that doesn't fit into our current life at the moment so Zoe you gave a great example there of a computer at your desk and the problem with the computer is that you know old computer is it's awkward isn't it we've got we've got all the things that we need to do to get rid of it we've got to clear it down and check and you're opening up a whole can of worms which is why we completely procrastinate on it but if there's something quite straightforward we really need to plan and so I think everyone's like I'm going to declutter the spare room I'm going to buy my boxes and off I go and there's no plan here so what do we want that room to become so let's give it let's take that example of a spare bedroom for example do I want that to become a spare room? Do I want it? You know, a lot of us had to change our dumping grounds into home offices over lockdown and things like that. Is that what I want? What's the big picture here? What do I want this to become? And then when you've got a goal, then you can break it down and you can work towards that goal with the things that you do. Does that make sense? So people just jump in and don't plan. So rule number one, you absolutely need to plan. Ingrid, oh. I'm about to cough. <laughs> so I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really important. And once you know your big picture goal, for example, or in, in, I want to have my dining room table free so I can have my a family member over for dinner or whatever. What's the big, what's the end goal? I want to have people come into my house. And then it is, how am I going to break this down into small manageable chunks to make this happen? Because exactly what Leslie said, you can't, you go, I'm going to clear my living room and that's it, get a couple of boxes. So you need to kind of go, okay, how am I going to get there? What is my end goal here? Which things do I need to move? Where is it going? What do I need to clear out? Because especially, for example, a dumping room, that is stuff that can't go somewhere else. It's been put there because it can't go to a place it actually has to go to, or it's been put there because nobody's made a decision about this item yet. So it's been temporarily moved into this dumping ground Although we know we no longer want it, but we're not sure what we're going to do with it. Where is it going to go? Are we going to keep it, get rid of it, give it to somebody else, donate it, sell it, charity shop it, recycle it? So it's put there. So you need to start by clearing other areas first to make space for the stuff before you can tackle a dumping ground. And what we see all the time is that people say, we need to clear that room, but then they want to do that, but then the, the stuff still can't go anywhere. So every, everything ends up being tidied, but put back, apart from maybe a couple of bits that people think, I really can, should get rid of this now. And everything gets back because there's no place anywhere else to put this stuff. So that's what we mean with the plan and then breaking it down into small manageable chunks. And that also means, for example, that's why we say a lot, we have a roadmap in our membership. So we have a the Declutter Hub membership, we have a roadmap. Because a lot of people say, where do I start? And Because I want to start here. And we always say, no, no, no. You need to start with something easy and you need to work your way around your house and build up your decluttering muscle. We talk about the decluttering muscle. So a kitchen is nine out of 10 times a really good place to start. Why? Because a lot of people don't find kitchen items very sentimental or very hard. And a kitchen already has cupboards. So you can do one cupboard, one drawer, one shelf, one basket, instead of going, I need to do this whole room. And it's got massive wardrobes. And oh my word, how am I going to do all of this? So a kitchen is a really good place to start. And that's what we say in the roadmap as well. Make a plan, prepare yourself, move to the kitchen, and then go to the bathroom. And we've got a whole order of which we suggest our members to follow our path so they have more success 
you need to do your paperwork and your sentimental items later because they're very hard to do. Okay. So how do you decide then? Let's say, uh, I'm not even going to confess. I've got a drawer. I am. I'm going to confess. Confession time. Yeah. I have confess. a drawer in the kitchen filled with things I found at charity shops that I just need in my life. And <laughs> they they bring me joy. And I've used a lot of them over Christmas because we, 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 you know, we have the entertaining house now. And it's like, I need to actually haven't got enough plates to put things on, you know, serving plates. And I was like, well, I'll just, you know, find some great like secondhand that, and I love them, but I think you're right. There are things, there are other things where, uh, like, I don't know, a steam pudding maker that my husband was given once that we probably won't use, I reckon. So yeah. it's those kind of things. Okay, so what about, like, if I'm in my office right now and I have a look around, and it's a bit crazy, how do I decide what I need to throw away? Right, it's a really good question. And so I think the interesting thing about decluttering is everybody automatically thinks about individual pieces, individual items. They think about the stuff first. So you've already said... I need to declutter. I know I do, and I've got that thing that I can think about, and that thing. A lot of people, when they think about decluttering, also think about the most difficult things, and so they think, "Well, I'm not decluttering my books if they love books, or if you're very nervous about paperwork, or if you've got loads of kids' artwork, or we think about the most difficult thing to do with decluttering first, and we don't think about the easy stuff, the kind of duplicates of shampoo that we might not need, or the kind of random kind of thing that we got from IKEA when we were building it that we've kind of shoved into a junk drawer. We don't think about those things, and so. First of all, we need to sort of take a step back and think it's not about the stuff. It's never about the stuff. Getting rid of stuff is a byproduct of the process of decluttering, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is it's all about the emotions. And so you need to connect with the emotions and say, what is it that's making me make the wrong decision about this thing that's cluttering up my life? And so what is it guilt that's stopping me from doing it? So the steam pudding maker, for example, that you got. Mm -hmm. That's, that's in our, well, I mean, it's not for everybody. So a steam pudding maker might be an amazing thing for loads of people. So that's why there's not a one size fits all, but that fits into the emotion of aspirational. So that's like, oh my, that sounds amazing. I'm going to build, I'm going to make this amazing steam pudding. I love the idea of that. And so we cling on to something because for aspirational reasons, we think that's going to be a great thing for us. Things like spiralizers, juicers, all of those kind of healthy things, you know, gym, like treadmills, all of those things that people have got, you know, exercise back in the middle of your lounge. They're all aspirational things. And we, we think that having them is going to make us do that thing. And so we need to connect with the emotions and, and say, what is it that's stopping me from making that decision? And that emotion could be guilt. It could be I'm worried that I'm going to need it. Um, I've, I've fallen foul of something, particularly, you know, bookkeeping. A lot of people with domestic paperwork get very nervous about having lost something in the past. And so then they cling on to way too much just domestically. I'm not talking about business wise now because that's very different, of course. Um, but I'm sure that <laughs> carries on into business as well. And so just things like that. What is it that's holding me back? And once you work out your mental, emotional blocks and the habits that you've had over decades, that's when all of a sudden you're like, oh, OK, that's why I'm keeping that pair of shoes that's that I've, that's six inch heels and gives me blisters every time I go out I look at it on my wardrobe I'm like I cannot get rid of those because I spent 100 quid on them you feel guilty about the money that you spent so you keep holding and it just perpetuates that guilt and so that how to get rid of stuff is all about working out the why rather than tackling the actual item itself does that make sense oh it makes perfect sense I've got four big Four big uh, boxes in my living room at the moment so we this is I'm in my garage and um, we had it converted this year so it meant everything that was in the garage had to find a new home so as you can imagine we had to do a bit of decluttering for that but the four boxes are filled with children's schoolwork 
Now, all my three children have said, mum, get rid of it. What are you doing? And it's still sitting there and I still haven't got rid of it. And it's exactly what you're saying, Leslie. There's like, I don't even, I don't, I don't even know if I want to even open the boxes and have a look. I don't even want to look at it at the moment because of the thought of get, thought I'm going to have to make that decision. And I'm like I said, I'm pretty, you know, but that I'm, and my mum's the same. My mum has kept our teeth, hair. I mean, she she thought once that she had one of our baby scan photos, but no, it was my brother's right kidney, and she'd kept the she'd kept the X ray. And so, like, <laughs> I was like, the so, actual. I was like, no, 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 no. She the actual one. Like, oh, the new one of those. <laughs> so I think I must have got that from her that I must have learned you've got to keep everything from your children and now I'm gonna to have to unravel that and because I don't I'm not even gonna look at it really and my kids are like mum we don't care like my, my daughter had a really great idea she went why don't we go through it and if there's a really nice picture in there that I would like to keep why don't we take it out and make a little like a one-page folder and we all have like one little folder each rather than four boxes and it's mm. a really good idea but saying that now maybe that's what I need to do maybe I need to do this with them so then I don't have the guilt that I've got rid of something that, because I think that now I'm talking out, I'm thinking that's the thing. I'm thinking, what if I get rid of something that they are going to really hate me for later? I, I do that, Joe. I do that with my children. Of course, not when they were two or three or four years old. I took the quality over the quantity. But now with my children, I look at their books and I go, which work did you really enjoy? And we take it out of the, the book. And you get a pile, there's bigger books here in the UK. The, the, the teachers go, here you go, massive stack of books. And I'm like, to the kids, let's go through it together. You show me which you really loved work that you need to do. We made one little folder for every year. We wrote the sticker with the teacher in the year and we put it all in there together with your school photograph. And now I've got one memory box with for each of them with those things in it instead of four massive crates full of stuff. So I really went for the qual the, qual the quality over the quantity. And it's the same with kids' artwork and all of those things. But sentimental items are hard to do. And especially when you're looking at four whole boxes. But I think maybe your first step is to go, you know what? I'm, do I'm doing a main sort first. I'm going to make sure that I know that each kid has its own box. Instead of starting with everything. And everything, probably everything is models. To go, I'm first going to do myself, I'm going to do a main sort so I can grab each child at this different time to see when I can do a project with them. Maybe that's the start for you. Um, one question that's come up from Nikki is, what about if you live with a hoarder? My husband hates getting rid of anything. How do you, what, do we have to counsel our partners through this as well? <laughs> um, it's a really tricky one. And so what we typically find, and so we're, we don't believe that you should ever get rid of anybody else's stuff because that's that the kind of particularly if somebody it depends on whether Nikki's husband is actually a hoarder with hoarding tendencies which is a, a psychological disorder or because that's a term that people will use if people tend to gather stuff as well so we need to establish what that is um but in general regardless of what that situation is you should never really get rid of anybody else's stuff because that's just going to mean that they're going to cling on more they're going to be resentful if stuff of 
if stuff's gone against their agreement. So everybody should be in, in control of the decisions that they're making with decluttering. And what typically happens, so we can't fix that in like 12 years of doing this. Unfortunately, we can't fix um, partners and husbands and children. We've tried really hard and we do try, but it's just not possible. But what tends to happen is that once people go on a decluttering journey, the other family members go, oh, I quite like that. I quite like the simplicity. I quite like how it looks. I quite like not living in chaos. And all of a sudden, they start to do stuff themselves. So we've got loads of people in our membership where the kids are coming on board, teenagers are like, it's like a miracle. Do you know what I mean? That this has happened. And partners suddenly, but, it, but people tend to be like, oh, she's decluttering again. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, here we go. Same old, same old. But when you actually go through it really systematically and do it properly, and people like the results and then come on board from that. But you can't actually do it for somebody else, unfortunately, Nikki. That's fair enough. Um, okay, so how about, so coming back to the like office thing, <clears throat> I'm really, basically just trying to work out how to sort it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, paperwork, paperwork's one of our biggest challenges in what we yeah. do. I mean, a lot of our bookkeeping community are using tools where they can keep everything online. But I know that there are definitely people who, who are listening to this who will have some of their clients still on paper, maybe bringing things into the office. They will have their own paperwork related to their business or home stuff. What, what do we need to think about when we're dealing with paperwork? I think, first of all, what's really important, if you have only paperwork clutter is a different story, but let me, what we normally see is it, there's clutter everywhere. So if you've got a cluttered house and paperwork everywhere, our advice is you need to declutter your home first and do those big, oh, we've, we've lost Joe for a minute, but I'm sure she's going to come back. <laughs> uh, I saw her like looking like what's happening. Um, so you need to do other areas first. And every time you come across some paperwork, you need to put it in one place, in one area, in one box. You need to get it together, especially if you're struggling with bags of paperwork in the hall and there's a pile next to the sofa and there's something on the kitchen kitchen counters. If there's paperwork everywhere, do your, your, your kitchen, your bathroom, your clothes, your, and leave the paperwork to later, but gather it along the way. Then... So you need to see it as a separate project. You can't be decluttering clothes and paperwork at the same time. You need to have a structure because paperwork is almost can be as big as a house. We, I have worked with people who did not declutter their paperwork since 1980. And they had, they had beautiful piles, beautiful piles. It was not like spread out and chaotic, but it was 30 years of not done paperwork. So you have to see it as something that has to be done as a different project. And then what you need to do is also realize this is not going to be a three evenings job. You're not going to solve this problem overnight. You need to actually almost like put time in the diary to go, I'm going to work on my paper first. Now, when you're doing a paperwork sort, and you know, you know what, Zoe, this is the question of all questions, because we actually have three massive courses in our membership about paperwork on how to declutter it, how to organize it and how to deep dive each category and how to file it. So we're talking, uh, I don't know, 60 or 100 videos about, about paperwork alone. So, but it's really important if you're working from home to make sure that you've got different streams of paperwork. So you need to have a separate pile for 
personal paperwork. And that can be then maybe subdivided into this is stuff from the kids, this is stuff from the partner, this is stuff from me. But personal paperwork shouldn't even be close to business paperwork. Because as soon as these things start to muddle with each other and start to get on top of each other, then you completely lose track. So that's rule number one. If it comes in through the post, right, is this personal or is this business? If it's personal, it needs to have, okay, then it's going here. If it's business, it's going here. And then within that personal paperwork, you need to subcategorize into whose paper. Is it from the home? Is it from the kids? Is it from the pets? Is it from my partner? And you need to find out whose responsibility is it? Because what we see a lot is that if young people move in together, everybody kind of keeps their own paperwork systems. But then at some point, people start to live together and they buy a house together and then possibly have kids together. And then the boundaries get blurred over who does what and who's responsible for what. And that's when balls get dropped. Because one person thinks that the other person will pick it up and the other person thinking, that's not my job, that's her job or whatever it is. And then nobody knows what's going on. So you need to start with having conversations about, actually, does this work for us? Does our paperwork system work? You've got lever arch files. I've got a filing cabinet. You've just got stacks of loose paper. I've got box files. Is this working? And are you doing the home or am I? Are you doing the paper from the kids or am I? Who's doing what here? And then you can start to go, okay, what kind of system are we going to build? And I yeah. think then, and then you need to look at, okay, what have we got? Have we got a filing cabinet? Have we got lever arts or have we got nothing? What would work for us? Because what we see a lot as well, Zoe, is that people have three or four different sets of filing systems because they every time they think, oh, this is not working for me. I'm going to start with something else. But because nothing is set up properly from the beginning and nothing gets then weekly or daily weekly and seasonally doesn't get updated so it starts to grow and the, the filing cabinet starts to explode and overflow and then it's really difficult to kind of go okay hold on a minute let's step back here for a minute is this working for me and it's the same with business paperwork i mean our courses are mainly about personal paperwork but the same principles go for business work as well if you're a bookkeeper and you've got a lot of clients you need to make sure you've got a lot of good systems in place so you can go oh this is client number one okay that goes here and this is client number two that goes here and then it's much easier to go client per client to sort it out and then subcategorize it into tax paperwork or whatever it is so that's it's, kind it's, of my advice that's so helpful because you know it's very similar with the this is this really is such a reflection of the way we should speak to our clients as we onboard clients into our business you know and and the way you've just described bringing together things as a family my husband and I've been together for 11 years or something so like, I feel like we kind of know what our roles and responsibilities are in the family but there are definitely things that I do and I know like things with the car I know he's going to sort that stuff out I don't have to do anything it's just like get a car that's just sort the car out I don't need to even know about it and um and that's just the thing and you know we know what gets filed and we know where things are on email but I said we must have had conversations but I can't remember actually doing it and maybe we're quite fortunate that we've fallen into that pattern uh, but for mm -hmm. other people they don't have that and um maybe that's I, I I'm 
I'm just reflecting on it. I used to work with a guy who had big stacks of paper on his desk and I ima- and he knew where everything was. But I imagine he'd never thought about that workflow for himself and what he wanted to do with things. And so when we're dealing with our clients, we can have these conversations right up front on the discovery call. This yeah. is how I work. Mm-hmm. This is my expectation. I will need you to do this and you'll deliver it here. And this is what I'm going to do with it at my end and never send any paper to my office. is <laughs> <laughs> A place to start um do you think that if we've got clutter around of paperwork or anything else to be honest with you and maybe even like disorganized paperwork or disorganized filing systems on our computers that kind of thing does it affect our productivity do you see do you see that impact on people yeah definitely because of all these unfinished jobs that we've got hanging around it's hard isn't it it's kind of clean desk clean mind scenario isn't it so it definitely works for me and you know, you're right, and a lot of people have got piles of paperwork around. They know exactly what's going on, so it doesn't need to be uh, perfection. It needs to be something that's going to work for you. That's super important. And what we find a lot, and certainly over the past couple of years during the pandemic, is that people all of a sudden are not, are not going out to work, staying at home. And as well as having your home office or wherever you're working from home cluttered up, there's other things, and, and it's just too easy, isn't it, to go into the kitchen and stuff. So we're big advocates, really, of doing daily resets I mean um Joe talked at the beginning that she can't start a day without making a bed and so that would be we call them daily resets as well and there's a reset in your bedroom reset in your bathroom reset in your kitchen and we're big advocates of using that commute time or that you might have gone to the office in or you know setting aside time in your morning time in your in your evening after the end of the day to do a reset so that you're ready because then you can start afresh the next day so important we have what we call non-negotiables every day and you have to if those are things that you've never done before like making your bed for example a lot of people don't do that and you have to force that habit you have to continually work at doing these got to do them every day build up those habits stack those habits on top of one at one at one another and then all of a sudden you feel much more productive and it really is a massive thing for a lot of people to realize that spending a concentrated amount amount of time maybe 20 minutes for a daily reset in the morning before you go out to work or after the kids come back from school uh, sorry after you drop the kids at school or whatever is really going to have a massive difference on your productivity for the day so yeah clutter and productivity um are definitely um oppose each other tell me about the reset and how that would work in a in a workspace then in an office environment because I, I i've just thought through what my routines are like i uh end of the end of the day i use the my husband goes in our bathroom and then the kids have a bathroom so I go and sort myself out and I've got a little tray of things what I want to use and I do that and put it away in my little cupboard so the kids don't get their hands on it and uh, and you know like I know that in the mornings there will always be this little like pick up the socks off the floor or whatever the kids have thrown around you know so we do kind of do this stuff don't we and we don't but we don't really think of it as a process we don't really define this is what we want the process to be so I'd love to know I realize we're coming up to time but just as a sort of final question what do you think that reset would look like for someone as you're like in the morning or at the end of the day in your office so you can keep yourself productive I would say definitely in the in the home office of course in the morning when you come in open the curtains you know turn the lights on get ready you know get maybe the if there's any post but your office basically should be clean from the day before when you leave it so when you I think in a home office a reset in the evening is crucial so five or ten minutes before you stop work you need to take time to tidy up your desk 
bring those cups from your cups of tea and coffee and water back to the kitchen. Uh, put your paperwork that a, a task needs to be done, put them in your to-do tray. File away a client's paperwork in the right file. So don't leave everything scattered around, especially if your home office is in a living room or in a shared space. I mean, for example, I'm, I'm stuck in my spare bedroom now already for two years. <laughs> Leslie is lucky enough to have a separate home office, so we can kind of close the door a little bit. But a lot of people are working from their kitchen table or are working from their dining room table. I mean, I even saw a picture of somebody working from their ironing board. I mean, you have to tidy that up at the end of the day. So that does mean if you have that at home, is there a sideboard somewhere or a cupboard somewhere where you can maybe even just gather the paperwork together in a sort of order that makes sense to you or maybe in some separate L folders? We we love L folders. Leslie and I, they're plastic um, folders that are open on the top and the side. You can slide paperwork in and you can just leave a post-it note on what the next action is. So you need to be able to put it away. It's the same with your desk. At the end of the day, you want to put away your, your stapler and your pens and, and things that have kind of, you know, in your and maybe your glasses like me. I need glasses now to read my computer. But you need to tidy it up. So it you can start to almost close off that time for work in your mind. And you can go, right, work is done now. Now it's time for something else. That doesn't mean you might not go back later that evening, especially if you are self-employed like, like we are. We sometimes, you know, do a little bit more work in the evening. But there needs to be a time when everything is put away so you don't get confronted all the time when working from home with your job. And I think it's really important. I think a lot of people underestimate the impact that has on, on what we've gone through in the last couple of years. Oh my goodness, that's so incredibly helpful. I mean, I finished my day uh, and, I, and I'm sure that a lot of people watching have children to have the school run as well. An alarm goes off on my phone at five to three and I have to be at school within 10 minutes. So I'm like, stop everything, go. And yeah. so there will be probably a cup, maybe my bowl of cereal from the morning still in the office and the lights are on. And then I'll come back later. And once I've run around after the kids and done all of that lunchbox stuff, got them eating something or doing something, I'll come in and I'll be like, oh God, I've left all the lights on. I've left, there's a cup. I've like got other cups on the go, you know, and it's because I haven't drawn a line. And I think that might be part of the reason why it's really difficult to switch off after the yeah. working day. So I'm, that's definitely a change that I'm going to make. I really appreciate you sharing that. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Oh my goodness, ladies, you've really helped us so much. And I think that we've got lots of brilliant takeaways from this session. So thank you. I wonder if you can tell us how you, people can find out about your membership and how they can connect with you. Yeah, so I think uh, where people will, what, a big part of what we do is our um, podcast every week. So we do a weekly podcast that people love. So we're about 180 episodes in, I think, aren't we, Ingrid? So every week, half an hour of actionable hints and tips that you can do anything through decluttering and organizing your home. And that is the Declutter podcast, obviously available on all podcast players or at our, our site, declutterhub.com forward slash the podcast. And so that's where you can find the podcast. Our membership is... Um, we have annual and monthly options there and you can 
sign up and we can take you step by step through decluttering your house and that is at members.declutterhub.com and that's growing every day and we absolutely love it we have a very very thriving lively and very kind actually as well facebook community which is the most important thing and um, because a lot of facebook groups out there that are not that kind and we need people to be kind in our communities so you've kindly put that on the bottom of the thing facebook.com uh, forward slash groups forward slash declutter hub community and that's basically it there's loads of other places you can find us but those are the main ones Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everyone who's joined us live and asked your questions. I hope you found that really helpful. Um, I'm going to wrap up now. We'll be back next week for another podcast. Thank you so much to our guests, Ingrid and Leslie. We will see you next week. Take care. Thanks, thank thank you. you. Don't forget to join us every week on the Bookkeepers Podcast, the topical bookkeeping chat. Why not join our free Facebook group, the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, or visit us at sixfigurebookkeeper.com.